to the Valley Church. Our mission is to see changed lives, and we hope this relevant teaching inspires you to take the next step in your journey. Thanks for checking out the podcast and enjoy the message. Um, Before I get started on today's message, I am going to take a survey, okay? Real simple. All you have, I'm going to ask you two questions, and I want you to raise your hand with the one that fits you, okay? And if you're watching online today, um, I want you to write your answer in the comment section, okay? Because I'm really interested in knowing this very important answer to this question. Are you ready? All right. So what do you call the last meal of the day? I told you it was real important. What do you call it? Raise your hand if you call it supper. Anybody call it supper? All right, sweet. Do you call it dinner? Okay, very good. Put your comments uh, in, or put your answer in the comment section, everybody watching online. Dinner or supper? So we had quite a few suppers, but we had more dinners. Wayne and I lived in, well, I was born and raised in Ohio and stayed here most of my life, and we called it dinner. But when we moved to South Carolina, they called it supper. So I was always confusing people because I would say, you know, it may be Sunday after church, do you want to come over for dinner? Well, in the South, dinner is on Sunday afternoons, Sunday dinner, and then they call the rest of the meals, the last meal of the week, they call it supper. So, this morning, um, we are going to talk about um, the table and meals around the table. And my fondest memory of the supper table or the dinner table uh, growing up was when I went to my granny and my poppy's house. Now, we went there quite a bit in the summer and on vacations and holidays, and they lived in the south, so it was called the supper table. And I loved it because uh, they had all the meals around the table. There was no eating in the living room. There was no eating in the car. You know, none of that was no fast food grabbing it on the run. They ate around a big old table, and it had 10 chairs around it. And if we had a really big crowd, we could squeeze in 14 because we'd pull chairs up to the corner. You ever do that? Everybody just scoots in tight because you just want to be together. Well, there was rarely any kids allowed around the table because there were so many grown-ups. We had aunts and uncles, grandparents, cousins. Um, sometimes the neighbor down the road, road joined us, and they would just talk and talk. And if I was lucky, I would pull a chair up to one of those corners, and they would talk about the news. They would talk about, they farmed, so they would talk about farming things. They would discuss sometimes politics, stuff was going on at the church. They solved problems. They gave advice. They talked about the neighbors down the road. I mean, you name it, they talked about it. And I realized as I was working on this message this week that I learned a lot about life sitting around that table listening to those grown-ups and their conversations that they had. And Jesus, he often sat around a table, and he had conversations with people. I don't think we realize how many times Jesus was having a meal with somebody or coming away from the table or going to the table, and he would always spot something. He would hear them say something. He would see something. There would be a reaction. 
And pretty soon, if you read along in the story, he would usually address it and talk about really important stuff around the dinner table. And so in this new series coming up, we are going to have table talk. We're going to look at some of the conversations that Jesus had with people around the table. Now, when Wayne and I were first married, we were broke. Can anybody relate to that? Um, and so I had to have a job. I not had to, but you know, we need, both needed to work to pay the bills. And so we were like craft macaroni and cheese broke. You know, that was like, do you remember that was the staple like three nights a week. And um, I needed to find a job and I needed one quick. And so this high school friend uh, was the manager of a fat of a it was a fried chicken restaurant, kind of sort of fast food. And so I got a job working for him, and I didn't know what it would look like to work at a fried chicken restaurant. I, I don't know what I thought it should look like. But I soon learned that there's a hierarchy, right? Even in a fast food restaurant. So the experienced workers, they always worked behind the counter. They got to wear the cute little headphone. They, got, they worked the cash register, and that's pretty much all they did. There were several that had worked there for quite a few years, and they just pretty much stayed in that one spot. And if you were the newbie, you had to clean tables, empty trash, and if you were lucky, you got to fill a drink order or something. And so after a few weeks, um, I knew that I should advance. I knew that I had what it took to work behind the counter. And so one day I walked in and I was going to talk to the manager. I, I'm going to tell him that I'm ready to move on up. But before I can start the conversation with him, I notice that the manager seems kind of flustered and he's rushing around and, he, and he's in a hurry and it just felt different than it normally did. And so I walked up to him and I asked him, can I help you do anything? Do you need anything? Now, that sounds really nice, doesn't it? But to be transparent with you, um, I wasn't really meaning, you know, what do you need me to do? Like, can I serve you? I was more meaning like, do you need me behind the counter? Do you need me to work the cash register today? That's, that was my intentions. And he looks at me, and he looks so relieved that I'm offering to help him. And he says, yeah, I need you to go clean the restrooms. Now, I want to ask you, have you ever cleaned the toilets at a public restaurant? Some of you are nodding yes. Bless. You know what it's like. This was the day before they hung the cleaning charts on the wall, you know, that said we're, we're scheduling it and we clean the bathrooms every hour. And if it's not up to your, you know those signs on the bathrooms? And if it's not up to your satisfaction, please let a manager know or call the franchise. Whoa, no. This was way before those days. And I like to have died. I just want to tell you that. I like to have died that day. Um, maybe it's not cleaning toilets for you that you would relate to this, uh, but maybe you see something that needs to be done, you see a need, and um, maybe you see somebody struggling, maybe you see something that you should do, but it's way out of your comfort zone and you don't really want to, you don't have the time, 
you tell, you, you know, you, you don't know how to do it or you don't like the person or maybe like me cleaning the toilets, you might even think it's beneath you to do. Well, today's passage, the scripture we're going to look at today is about this very thing. It's about selfless serving. Say that with me, selfless serving. We're going to be in John chapter 13, verses 1 through 17 today. If you've got your Bible, we'll have it on the screen. Um, You can also look it up if you've got the phone app. Now, if you're new to the church, new to the Bible, whatever, there are a lot of Johns in the Bible, right? There's 1 John, 2 John, 3 John, John. So we're going to be in John today, John 13. And I'm going to read this, and you read along with me, okay? It was just before the Passover festival. Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. I love that verse. Read that one again. Having loved his own, those are his people, those are you and I today. If you're a follower of Jesus, he he loved his own who were in the world and he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. And Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God. He knew his identity. Jesus knew that he had come from God and that he was returning to God. So he got up from the meal, and he took off his outer clothing, and he wrapped a towel around his waist. And after that, he poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around his waist. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? And Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. No, said Peter, you will never wash my feet. You know, I love that about Peter, right? He's either hot or cold, man. He's all in or all out, this guy. And Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Well, then, Lord, Simon Peter replied, not just my feet, but my hands and my head as well. And I kind of get tickled the way Jesus responded to him. Like, you know, those who've had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body is clean and you're clean. And then he says, though not every one of you. For he knew who was going to betray him, and that was why he said not everyone was clean. When he had finished washing their feet, he put, his, he put on his clothes, and that would have been his outer robe, and he returned to his place. Do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord. And back in those days, teacher was a very high calling. Teacher was a very revered uh, position, and people sat at the rabbi's feet. They sat at the teacher's feet. He said, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. Very truly, I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. What a picture um, we have in this passage. It is the last week of Jesus' life before the crucifixion. 
And Jesus and his disciples are having their last evening together. Jesus knows he's getting ready to die, and he wants to spend his last evening with them, and they're sitting around the table, and they're having a meal together. Now, we know something. This is really important for me to add in here because we didn't read it in the John passage, but in each of the Gospels, the, they wrote, the disciples wrote about this moment, this last night that they had together. And I found it really interesting because each one, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, they all wrote something about the same thing, but it, it's interesting how they each have a different, they remember certain things that happened that night, and they share it, and it's so good. And we know from Luke's account of the last night with Jesus that the disciples had been arguing among themselves about which one was the greatest. They, this wasn't new for the disciples. They had, and if you look through the scriptures in several passages, several gospels, they have argued before about which one of them is the greatest. And all the time that they've spent with Jesus, this is what shocks me, all these three years or so that they have spent following Jesus, learning from Jesus, they still have not learned that service to others is the definition of greatness. Service to others is the definition of greatness. If you spend any time with Jesus, you quickly learn that. Have they not noticed that Jesus never placed himself in a position above anybody else? Have they not noticed that Jesus always led by serving and he loved by serving? He fed hungry people. He walked miles and miles to uh, feed, the, feed the hungry. He walked miles and miles to heal the sick, to raise the dead. He spent time with those that nobody else wanted to spend time with. He lived a life of humility. And I have to wonder, because they're wondering about who's the goat. You all have heard that, haven't you, lately? G-O-A-T, goat, the greatest of all time. Um, some of us, you know, I've read, some people think that Babe Ruth is the goat of baseball and Tiger Woods is the goat of golf. Now you may disagree, you may have your own favorites, but this is what is <clears throat> kind of a widely held view and that Tom Brady is the goat of football. No Tom Brady fans, nobody yelled that out. Um, can you just picture this? Can you picture this? That the disciples are arguing about who's the goat of the disciples. And John, you know, I was imagining this and I can just picture John and they're sitting around the table and John says, well, I've always been called the beloved. Jesus has called me the beloved. And Matthew says, well, I'm the goat. I was so rich. I had so many possessions. And when Jesus called me to go with him, I gave it all up. I'm the goat. And Peter, <clears throat> Peter is like, well, I walked on water. Anybody walk on water before? And you can picture him then giving him a hard time. Yeah, but you started sinking after three steps, right? They're all arguing over who is the goat. And Jesus gets up and he wraps a towel around his waist and he pours water into a bowl and he starts to wash their feet. In biblical days, foot washing was considered a very common thing. Uh, people traveled everywhere in those days by foot 
and the roads were dusty. They were not paved, and they were dusty, and they were dirty. They wore leather sandals, and their feet became very dusty and dirty. And some of you may have the rule at your house that when you come inside, you take your shoes off and leave them at the door because you don't want to track anything in on your carpet. Kind of like that back in Jesus' time. They had a practice of washing their feet before they came inside because they didn't want to track all that dirt and dust throughout the house. And I'm imagining that at this particular point, because if you read all through this, you find that Jesus sent them out and said, go find us a room, a place to have our last meal together. And I'm just guessing that they found a room, but there was no servants, nobody there to wash their feet. Because here's the thing, foot washing in Jesus' days, in the first century, was considered the lowliest of the lows. People who washed feet was considered the most menial job in the first century. To kneel down and to clean someone's dirty feet meant that you were the lowest. You were the lowest. It was a job that was reserved for non-Jewish slaves. So even Jewish slaves were above washing anybody's feet. They would have the Gentile slaves wash the feet of the Jews. And the, they thought of the Gentiles as dogs. It was very, there was, racism was alive and well. They thought as the, um, the Gentiles were dogs and they were the ones who washed people's feet, those servants. And it would be as if Jesus, the most high God, he is the king of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the creator of all creation. And it would be like today if he walked in and started cleaning public toilets. And did you pick up when I was reading this that not only did Jesus wash the feet of the men in the room that loved him, he washed the feet of a man who was getting ready to betray him. And he knew that that was going to happen. And most of us, if you and I had an enemy like that, that we knew was going to betray us and we would be murdered, would you be washing his feet? Would you be serving him? In our culture, we like to be served. The greatest people in our culture looks like they are always being served. But through the simple act of serving, through this simple act of washing his disciples' feet, Jesus flips everything. He flips it, and he teaches us what does it really mean to be great. What does it mean to be great? Service to others is the definition of greatness in Jesus' kingdom. Philippians 2, verses 3 through 5 tells us, Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interests of others. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. So there's a few things that happen when we serve others selflessly. Serving others 
helps you develop your spiritual gifts. Now, I don't know if you're aware of it, but each and every one of us have gifts. We have talents, abilities, skills, but when we become followers of Christ, we have spiritual gifts that come to life. Some of us have a lot. Some of us might think we only have one, but you have one, I promise you. 1 Peter 4.10 says, Each of you should use whatever gift you have received to what? Serve others. So as faithful stewards of God's grace in various forms, God gave us each gifts. And your gifts were not given to you to serve yourself. Your gifts were not given to you to further what you have and to be more of who you are. That's not why he gave us those gifts. He gave us those gifts to be used for the kingdom of God. He gave us gifts and skills and talents and the things that you're good at. He gave you those so that you would serve others. When we serve selflessly, we can see a miracle. Now, I truly believe this with my whole heart. When you will serve someone selflessly, you will see a miracle. And, and maybe it's not going to be a miracle like Jesus turning the water into wine. Well, maybe. It could still happen. But it might look like a dying marriage that comes back to life because you served in some way. It might be an addiction that is broken. You know, there's people here who serve at Alpha. Alpha is a ministry that the Valley has and that is one of the greatest things that if, if you're interested in knowing more about who God is, knowing more about God, that's the place to go. Uh, the folks who serve at Alpha, they set up tables, they lead groups, they fix snacks, they greet people, they clean up, they tear down, they set up. They work selflessly, and I believe they see miracles. I've been part of Alpha before. I've seen miracles. I've seen the miracle of a life that has been transformed. But it took a whole group of people serving together, and it's worth every moment of it. A life transformed. I've seen people come to know Christ. I've seen people who have been living just a dying life just do a 360 and just at 180 and just become alive in, in Christ. And serving helps us be more like Jesus. Serving helps us be more like Jesus. When you serve someone selflessly, when you serve and you're not trying to get anything back for it, you're not trying to get anything out of it, there's nothing in it for you, you shift your focus off of yourself and your focus gets shifted onto others. And you see people the way Jesus sees them. You see people through the lens of Jesus. And you become more like him. That's putting on the character of Christ by being more like him. And serving is good for you. If you look at the last verse of our passage again, that's what it says. Let's read it again. John 13, 17. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Jesus is saying to his disciples and to us, I've shown you how to do this. So now that you know, do it. That's what he's saying. And you will be blessed. 
And I want to tell you that blessings come in all shapes and sizes and forms. I'm not saying that you'll be blessed financially, but you might be, or you might be blessed in a relationship. You just, your soul will be blessed. That is for sure. And that is a feeling of joy and peace that you cannot experience only through Christ. You will be blessed. And it comes in all shapes and sizes. Um, there's a story of a young man, and he was driving home from work one day. He worked the third shift, and he was dirty and grubby and tired. And uh, as he's coming home from work, he sees a car that looks like it's stranded on the side of the road, and there's an elderly woman, and she's standing next to the car. And even though he's so tired, and he's wants, from this night shift, and he just wants to go home and rest, but he's got more work to do when he gets home, he sees that she needs him. She needs help. So he stops and he gets out of his old beat-up truck and he smiles as he's walking to her because he can tell that she's really nervous when he stops and she sees him because he looks grubby and he looks, you know, dirty and he drives this old beat-up truck and he's just a little frightened. And so to reassure her, he says as he's walking up to her, he says, Hi, ma'am, my name's Brian Anderson and I'm just here to help you. And even though it was cold and rainy outside, he changed her tire. And when the job was done, she asked him, how much do I owe you for this? And he said, ah, you don't owe me anything. He said, I'll tell you what. He said, um, if you really want to pay me back the next time you see somebody who needs help, help them. And then just think about me. And she smiled and told him goodbye. And after he left... She got in her car and she drove on down the road and she stopped at a small diner for breakfast. And her waitress was nearly eight months pregnant and she just looked exhausted. And even still, she still was smiling and friendly and sweet and serving everybody. And the lady thought to herself, how can somebody who seems to have a rough life you could just tell she's exhausted and weary, and she's thinking, how can she serve all these people? How can she serve me with such sweetness and kindness? And then she remembered Brian. She remembered how Brian served her. So the lady finished her meal, and she paid with a $100 bill. And when the young waitress came back to give her her change, she was gone. And the waitress sees that on the table there's a napkin, and it says on the napkin... It says, um, keep the change. I, I don't need any change back. I just want to bless you. And as she cleans up the table, she picks up the napkin, and there's four $100 bills laying under the napkin. And she finishes out her shift, and she goes home because she can't wait to go home and tell her husband because they have been worried about this. They've, they've, they're having trouble making ends meet, and they don't know how they're going to pay the bills. And she's so excited to go home and tell him the good news. But when she gets home, he's asleep. And she doesn't want to wake him up, so she just kisses him, and she whispers, everything's going to be all right. I love you, Brian Anderson. God calls us to serve selflessly. He calls us to be like him and to serve others. And this morning, I just want to ask you, as you've listened to this scripture, has God said anything to you today about this? 
Has he spoke anything to you? Is there anything he needs you to do? Is there somebody that he's calling you to serve? It could be somebody you don't even like, right? Could be some grouchy coworker. It could be a neighbor that you don't get along with. And maybe God is saying to you, I want you to wash their feet. And not literally wash their feet, although some churches still do that, but he wants you to wash their feet. He wants you to serve them as if you're washing their feet. Mow their grass. Drop, bring cookies to the grouchy coworker. Go the extra mile for somebody. Maybe as you were listening and praying and reading the scriptures this morning, the Holy Spirit was prompting you maybe to repent, maybe to repent of pride, of not serving somewhere or serving someone or doing something because it feels like it might be beneath you. That if he asks me to clean a toilet, I will do it. Maybe God's telling you that you need to serve your spouse this morning. Do something that'll make their day better. All of our marriage, Wayne has mowed the lawn. Um, these last few years, as we've gone through this pandemic, Wayne has worked in senior living health care. And it was probably two, three of the most stressful years of our life. It was really hard, and he would come home from work every night exhausted. His phone rang 24-7, and he would come home exhausted, and then he would get up on Saturday, and he would mow the grass. And so one day, um, I decided to mow the lawn so that he could rest on Saturday. And when he came home that night after work and he saw that the grass was mowed, he was so relieved to not have to mow the grass, that he didn't even care how crooked it was. <laughs> didn't even bother him. So I just kept mowing the grass that summer because that's how I could serve him. Maybe it's serving your church, rocking a baby, sitting on the floor with second graders in kids' church, hanging out with the teens at the 11 o'clock service, it's really not that scary. I've done it before. Emptying the trash, serving with the Alpha Ministry that we talked about earlier. And, if, and maybe this is what happened this morning. Maybe if you're already serving, maybe if you're already doing these kinds of things, maybe God is prompting you to do it with 100% of your heart. If you're in the First Impressions Ministry and you greet people, he's prompting you to do it with a big smile to look people in the eye and really welcome them to the Valley Troy as if they really matter because they do. Maybe as you rock babies in the nursery, he's calling you to pray over that baby as you rock or look that teen in the eye and let them know that they're loved. You get the picture. Do it as Jesus would do it. Jesus created a new way of living in this world, a place where the last are first and the greatest are the servants. Jesus served us because he loved. Jesus made the time to serve. Jesus served right 
where he was at. I think that's really important because sometimes when we think about serving, we start thinking that, well, I, I don't have time. I'm not asking you to add one more thing to your calendar. I'm saying serve right where you're at. That's what Jesus did as he sat around the table and he saw that the disciples needed to know something and so he served them. Jesus cared more about serving than status. And lastly, Jesus invites you to serve. When you came in this morning, um, you received communion cups. Will you take those with me? We're going to receive communion as our response today. If you didn't get one of these, would you just slip your hand up and we will come right along. Just leave it up until you get the cup and someone will bring you the cup. The way these things work is you peel back the cellophane on top and there's the wafer. And then if you peel the foil back, there's the juice. If you're watching online with us this morning, I really, I want you to join us in communion. You know, you're not alone wherever you're at. Jesus is right there with you, just like he was sitting around the table having that supper with the disciples. He's with you wherever you're at. Grab juice, grab a cracker, grab a piece of bread, and join us in communion. The ultimate act of service was when Jesus Christ died on the cross for you and me. He died because we had a sin debt that was so huge we could never pay it off. And he didn't want anything separating us from God. He couldn't bear the thought that we wouldn't spend the rest of our life here on this earth and the rest of life in eternity with him. And so he sent his son to die on the cross to pay that debt so that we could have life. So what I want us to do now, if you've got your juice and, and your wafer, I want you to bow your head, everybody's head down. I want you to close your eyes, and we're just going to take a few moments of silence. And I just want you to reflect on whatever the Holy Spirit might be speaking to you this morning. He's here with us today. And he speaks to us in that small, still voice. Might give you a nudge. Someone's face might come to mind. Now I want you to just thank God for the way that he loves you. Thank him for the way that he cares for you. Thank him for the way that he serves you. up. Let's receive communion this morning together. I actually just want to read to you what it says about that supper that they had that night. I'm going to read the Matthew 26, 26 version story. 
While they were eating, Jesus took a loaf of bread, and after blessing it, he broke it, and he gave it to the disciples. And he said, take, eat, this is my body. And then he took a cup, and after giving thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink from it, all of you, for this is my blood of the covenant, which it is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. verse it says and then they sang a hymn and so we're going to sing together now and then I'll be back up to pray with you
Just a quick few reminders before we close this morning. Um, don't forget that at 11 o'clock after the second service, not at 11, but after the 11 o'clock service, um, we're going to have pizza with the pastors. Wayne and I are going to go to that. And so if anybody's got questions about Sydney, that's a great time um, to ask those. If you've got any questions about Sydney, the campus there, come see us. We're going to hang around front for a little while. If you need prayer, if you need anointing for healing, or you want to um, come forward on behalf of somebody else, just come on up. We're going to have some folks up here, and we would love to pray with you. And in the seat pockets in front of you, there are serve cards. If the Lord spoke to you this morning and prompted you to do something here in the church, one of the best ways you can do is just mark that serve card and let us know, and we will um, get right in touch with you. All right, let's bow our heads and pray this morning. Father, we thank you for your spirit here today. We thank you, Lord, that you have been among us. You've spoken to us, Lord. And I pray, Lord, that we will now be obedient in whatever you have shown us and asked us to do. Thank you, Lord, that we get to serve next to you, alongside of you, that we get to continue your mission here on earth. Father, we thank you for what you've done for us. And I ask for everyone here in this um, uh, worship center this morning, Lord, anybody listening to my voice right now through online, Father, I pray that you would bless these people. I pray that you would watch over them and protect them, Lord. I pray that you would draw them near to you and give them the most wonderful week. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Amen. Have a great day. Friends, it has been incredible worshiping with you and taking communion with you. If you were new with us today, welcome. I'm so glad that you were here and that you got to participate in our service today. I'd love to get to know you. So you can text NEW to 937-358-6565. As we journey through this at the table and we see who Jesus sat and had meals with, I want you to start praying about who can join your table. Maybe it's a table right in your home and you'll invite them over for dinner or, or for lunch on the weekend. Or maybe you join together in a restaurant and you just get to know one another. No agenda necessary, simply just an opportunity to share a meal. I know for myself, some incredible conversations happen around the dinner table. And I'm sure that if you begin to pray right now, who could use maybe a warm meal to fill their belly or a warm conversation to fill their mind and heart that the Lord will begin to prepare who needs to join your table. And if you're thinking to yourself, well, Lindsay, I just don't know anybody and you're local to the Valley Troy, I would encourage you to go and join them on site. While I'm so thankful that you've been joining us in the digital world, the people there at the Valley Troy are wonderful and welcoming and there is always a seat to be had in the sanctuary and at someone's table. Well, from my home to yours, I hope that you have an incredible week. If you need prayer this week, you can text prayer to 937-358-6565 and our staff and those on our prayer team will be praying for you. Or you can put your prayer requests right in the comments right now and our chat hosts will pray with you in a private message. I hope that you have an incredible week. And as we journey at the table with Jesus, 
I pray that the Lord will reveal exactly who needs to join your table this week. Have a good one. For joining us today. To stay up to date with our weekly messages, make sure to subscribe and follow us on social media. You can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, or download our app to stay connected with all things the Valley. And if today's message impacted you, share it with a friend, because changed lives change lives.